Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We have come to our final lesson in our series in the book of Acts. So today we will look at Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 7, through the end of the chapter and the end of the book. In our last session, we left Paul on the island of Malta. He and his shipmates had survived a terrible storm at sea, and while they had lost the ship and all of the goods on the ship, everyone survived the shipwreck, just as God had promised Paul. Once on land, while gathering sticks for fire, a poisonous viper bit Paul on the hand, but because Paul was God's servant and he still had work to do, the bite had no effect on Paul. This was a miraculous sign to all those who witnessed the incident. And as a result, it provided Paul with yet another opportunity to minister to those around him about the love and grace of Christ. Let's turn now to our Bibles and read about what happened. Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled round and reached Regium, and after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Putioli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome, and from there when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and Three Ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. As we had read earlier in this chapter, Paul and his companions had received unusual kindness from those who were on the island. And probably because of the fact that Paul had survived the bite of the viper, the leading city, citizen, Publius, shared his hospitality with Paul and his companions. However, Publius's father was not a well man, having been sick with what the Bible describes as fever and dysentery. Dr. Stott gives us a better understanding as to what this illness was. He writes, Luke describes his complaint as fever and dysentery, which Dr. Longenecker tentatively diagnoses as Malta fever, which he adds was long and common in Malta, Gibraltar, and other Mediterranean locales. The microorganism, which causes it, was apparently identified in 1887 and traced to the milk of Maltese goats. 
Although a vaccine has been developed, the fever lasts on an average for four months and sometimes persists even for two or three years. Not in the case of Publius's father, however, for through prayer and the laying on of hands, Paul healed him instantly. Well, as we read, as a direct result of this wonderful and miraculous healing, news quickly spread and those who were sick or who had loved ones who needed healing all came to Paul. And although the Bible does not say it openly, knowing the heart of Paul and his passion to share Jesus with anyone who listened, we can assume that Paul shared with everyone who came to him the gospel message of Jesus, the great love, grace, and mercy of God, and his willingness to forgive sin and come to dwell within the hearts of anyone who would ask, just as he was also willing to heal all those who asked. After three months on the island, it was time to leave. The Bible says that the islanders honored Paul and his companions and gave them many gifts, probably helping to replace those things that had been lost in the storm. But even more, gifts of remembrance and love for a man who had deeply impacted their lives. But it was time to leave. So they once again boarded an Alexandrian ship, which means that it was a ship that was carrying wheat just like the one that had been lost in the storm. This time, their passage was smooth and uneventful. Their first stop was at Syracuse, where they stayed for three days. Then they traveled on to Regium and Puteoli, which was a preferred port for Alexandrian wheat ships, being a larger port with facilities to handle the product. It was at Puteoli that Paul was welcomed by many brethren, and what a happy greeting that must have been. I love the way Dr. Ironside describes that meeting. He writes, One can understand something of the blessedness of that meeting and what it must have meant to the apostle after all the trials, the shipwreck, the suffering he had passed through, after all the false charges that had been lodged against him, and knowing that he was going to be tried before Caesar's judgment throne. So it must have been a great joy to find that these Christians at Rome, hearing of his coming, cared enough to go all the way out of this this town midway between Rome and the port where he had landed and convey to him their expression of Christian love and fellowship. Paul was encouraged. And so it was offered and granted that Paul would stay in that happy and comforting fellowship for the next seven days, enjoying the fellowship and love of the household of faith. If you've ever gone through difficult times, feeling alone in the battle, then then you know something about what comfort the family of God can be. Yes, God has given to us a very great gift of fellowship with his children. No matter where you may go or what circumstances you may face, if you have the fellowship of fellow believers, you will be strengthened, helped and comforted as they pray for you, share with you the word of God, encouraging you to hold fast to your faith 
and affirming to you the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, after seven days, and this was also probably the time required to offload the wheat and other products from the ship to be taken to Rome, it was time to continue the final portion of their journey. This time it will be by land. Dr. Warren Wearsby provides us with a good description of the final journey. Julius and his party took the famous Appian Way and traveled 125 miles from Puteoli to Rome. The first group of Christians met Paul at the Forum of Appius, about 43 miles from Rome, and the second group met him at the Three Taverns, 10 miles nearer to the city. Some saints will go farther than others. Paul was greatly encouraged when he met them, and as well he might be, now he could fellowship with the saints, and they could be a blessing to one another. With each step, they drew closer to Rome and to Paul's trial in Caesar's court. And with each step, more brethren came alongside of Paul to encourage him and minister to him. This, this is the love and grace of God poured out on his faithful servant through his church. This is love in action. And I am sure it brought to Paul a great comfort, not just then, but also in the years to come as he remembered the outpouring of love and fellowship shown to him during this difficult time in his life. Well, let's turn to our Bibles once again to read about the conclusion of this eventful journey, beginning with verse 16. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For, for this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor, nor have any of the brethren who have come reported or spoken of any evil of you, but we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, we, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul and said one, one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet, to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive, 
for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their ears, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Upon his arrival, rather than being thrown into the common prison to await his trial, Paul was permitted to dwell in a rented house. And although he was still chained to a Roman soldier, he had total freedom to receive guests. I am sure that it was his friends, the members of the church in Rome, who helped provide for his needs, and scholars also believe that he probably also worked once again as a tent maker in order to help support himself. Now the soldiers that were guarding him would be switched out every six hours. (laughs) So can you imagine what things they heard and witnessed as they guarded this faithful servant and minister of God? Is it any small wonder that Paul would write while dwelling in that rented house in Rome the following message to the church in Philippi. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my friends, by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Well, it wasn't long, just three days, before Paul asked for a meeting with the Jews. Since he could not go to the synagogue to speak with them there, he asked them to come to him. He wanted to assure them that he was innocent of any report coming from Jerusalem. He assured them that he had done nothing against the Jews nor against the law of Moses or the customs of Israel. Nevertheless, he was still taken uh, prisoner and, and brought to Rome for trial, even though he had already been found innocent. But he explained that, that Jews insisted on further examination. Therefore, he had no choice but to make his appeal to Rome. It was very important to him that they knew him from, from him personally, that he was not guilty of any report that may have come to him. And it was also very important to him that he still held, held fast to the hope of Israel, which is actually Messiah. But their response was that they had heard no report, nothing about what had taken place regarding Paul or the charges that had been brought against him had had come to them. However, they had been hearing about the sect that they called it, Christians, the growth of the church. And they wanted Paul to explain to them more about that, which, of course, Paul was more than happy to do. On the agreed-upon day, many Jews came to Paul to hear from him about Jesus. And as was his pattern, he shared with them from the king, about the kingdom of God, 
about Jesus, the promised Messiah, and he taught them from the Old Testament scriptures, from the Law of Moses and from the Prophets. Paul talked to them from morning until evening. Now we need to understand that this dialogue was very Jewish, according to the custom of that day. The Life Bible Application Commentary explains, It is doubtful that Paul lectured all day or that this presentation was a monologue. As per Jewish custom, we can suppose this was an energetic and often heated dialogue with much questioning back and forth. The effect of this long discourse and discussion was that some of the Jewish leaders were convinced. The verb is an imperfect, which probably conveys the idea that they were beginning to be convinced. This does not necessarily imply conversion, at least not as the result of this initial dialogue only. Others, however, refused to believe demonstrating hard-heartedness and spiritual blindness. And so at the end of that long day, some believed or were in the process of believing and some were not. This was a common response that Paul experienced, especially whenever he tried to share the gospel message with the Jews. But this did not discourage Paul nor hinder him from his ministry. He simply responded with a quote from the prophet Isaiah taken from chapter 6. So once again, we turn to the Life Application Bible Commentary for consideration. Paul quoted the prophet Isaiah to make the point that though the Jews knew all about God in an academic way, they didn't really know him personally. Though many of them had God's word in their heads, it had never filtered down into their hearts and changed their lives. This is the great danger of being religious. Rich words and meaningful truth can turn into overused cliches and meaningless rituals. Years of going through the motions can cause our hearts to become numb to the truth. Even more, more sobering is the fact that in this deadened state, People often uh, deceive themselves into thinking they are honoring God. Ask the Spirit of God to keep you open to the truth. I think that is very good advice. We must guard against becoming too comfortable, too complacent about the great gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ and the study of God's Word. We must allow the Holy Spirit to daily search our hearts, and we must walk in obedience to his word. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Let us not be like those described in Isaiah, 
the passage that is quoted here. Let us not be like those who hearing do not hear and seeing do not see. But let us respond in faith and show our faith in how we live. Well, like I said earlier, the fact that most of the Jews rejected the testimony of Jesus did not discourage Paul. He simply turned his attention to the Gentiles and anyone who would listen and began to share with them the way of salvation, preaching and teaching the word of God to anyone who would come and listen. His door was always open to all. And for the next two years, he ministered to the people in Rome without being hindered or forbidden. Although he was a prisoner of Rome, Paul enjoyed great freedom as he shared the gospel message of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us now read the final two verses of this wonderful book of Scripture. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no one forbidding him. Although Luke's account abruptly ends here, biblical scholars help us to know about the rest of the story. Dr. Warren Wearsby provides us with an excellent overview of the rest of Paul's life, and this is just a brief overview. During these two years in Rome, Paul wrote Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. He expected to be released, and most students agree that he was. During this time, he had Timothy with him, as well as John Mark, Luke, Aristarchus, Epaphras, Justus, and Demas. He also met Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus, and led him to faith in Christ. Epaphroditus brought a gift to him from the Philippian church and almost died ministering to Paul. Tychicus was Paul's mailman who delivered Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Dr. Luke ended his book before Paul's case had been heard, so he could not give us the results of the trial. We have every reason to believe that Paul was indeed released and that he resumed his ministry, probably traveling as far as Spain. During this period, he wrote letters to Timothy and Titus. He left Titus in Crete, Trophimus sick in Miletus, and Timothy in Ephesus. He planned to meet some of his helpers in Nicopolis after he had visited some of the churches he had established. And wherever he went, he sought to bring Jews and Gentiles to faith in Jesus Christ. He was arrested again, probably about the year 67, and this time his situation was changed drastically. He did not live in a house, but was chained in a prison and treated like a criminal. Winter was coming, and he asked Timothy to bring him his cloak. But the saddest thing about this second imprisonment was his being forsaken by the believers in Rome. The great apostle to the Gentiles was abandoned by the very people he came to assist. Even Demas forsook him, and only Luke was with him. 
The family of Onesiphorus ministered to his needs, but he longed for Timothy and Mark to come to be at his side. Paul knew that the end was coming. Tradition tells us that he was beheaded at Rome in A.D. 67 or 68. All of this is heavily supported by many passages of Scripture cited by Dr. Wearsby in his commentary on the book of Acts. But the point is that Paul was faithful to the calling that Jesus had placed upon him until his very last breath. And as Paul so eloquently stated in Philippians chapter 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. In his last letter, which is actually his last words, he wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Beginning with verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And this is my charge to you, my friend. If you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, then I charge you to be faithful to the calling he has placed upon you. Be faithful in your devotion to him, serving him joyfully and ministering to the needs of others always sharing with him the love, grace, and mercy of God our Savior. Be faithful as a witness, because Jesus has commanded us to be his witnesses to all those who will listen, even as Paul was faithful. And be faithful to read your Bible daily, because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And be faithful in prayer and praise, always giving thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He has been so very good to us. But if you're still not sure of your salvation, then let me urge you, my friend, to settle the issue now, this moment. Remember this, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned and the wages of sin is death, so the Bible says. This is why we need a Savior. So God provided a Savior, and his name is Jesus. He died on the cross for you, paying the wage you could not pay, the wage that you owed. We were guilty, but Christ paid our penalty. Therefore, just as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus also said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who comes to the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. The choice is yours, my friend. But I urge you, I urge you, please ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and become your Savior and Lord, to come and dwell within you, as someone once said, God saved us and chose us to be his holy people. We did nothing to deserve this, but God planned it because he is so kind. How great is the love of God towards us. How merciful. How kind. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived among us, died on the cross for our sins, and has risen to life everlasting. And you have exalted him, and he sits at your right hand, Heavenly Father. And one day he's coming again as the righteous judge and as the king, the, the king of Israel, the king of our lives, and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book of Scripture that you've given to us. We have learned so much. Thank you for the faithful servants that are listed here of, of Barnabas and, and Peter and, and Paul and Mark and Timothy and so many others, Lord, who were faithful to the very end, faithful to live their lives to bring you glory, faithful to bear witness of Jesus Christ, 
faithful to follow you all the days of their lives. Lord, I pray that we would have that same heart to be faithful to you, to continue to study your word, to allow your Holy Spirit to write your word upon the tablet of our hearts. We ask, O oh God, that you would continue to grow our faith and, and strengthen us to walk faithfully, to live holy lives, obedient, Lord, to your command, to be bold, to be witnesses, to tell others what Jesus has done for us. I pray for these dear listeners, O oh Lord, and I ask, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to them day by day as they continue to follow you. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, my friend, we have come to the end of our lessons in the book of Acts. And I would encourage you to continue reading the letters of Paul and the other scriptures so that your faith will continue to grow. This is also my last podcast, and I want to thank you for your kind attention to this teaching. May God continue to richly bless you. Let me also say that you are more than welcome to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com if you ever have any questions or or uh, comments to make. Again, that uh, email address is BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. So let me close now with praying over you the ironic priestly blessing from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Oh,